Where have you been, Loka? Welcome back to Reexamined. I'm Amanda. I'm Emily. I'm Jesse. And I'm Toby. On this podcast, we take a look back at pop culture touchstones that influence society. This season, we re-examine the Twilight Saga. This episode, we'll take a closer look at how Twilight went from an indie movie to a giant blockbuster. So let's go back to 2008, when the first Twilight film hit theaters just before Thanksgiving. We're in the negotiation room with Miss Catherine Hardwick herself and some executives at Summit, eventually leading to a 44-day shoot in May with a relatively unknown cast and a relatively small budget. So let's get into talking about the first Twilight film. Yeah, so I actually didn't know this before. But the rights to the Twilight IP were actually owned by MTV Paramount Studios before they were ever owned by Summit. And in fact, the script was way different than the books. Apparently, like, they made Bella not, like, you know, I guess she's considered, like, shy-ish, you know, whatever. They made her not super shy, and apparently at the end, there's like there's like helicopters explosion oh or something like the F- the FBI gets involved. <laughs> like, I don't know. But I but appara- according to Catherine Hardick, like it was it was bad. It was like a shitty, shitty script. So I don't know. I just don't understand how the FBI got involved. Like vampires. <laughs> what? Oh, you know, maybe they were involved because of all the missing. That makes sense, actually. The missing people. People that were going missing and like turning up. I murdered. don't know, but <laughs> yeah, but then also it's funny because then in uh, Fifty Shades, which as we know is a fan fiction of Twilight, I feel like the FBI does get involved. Someone gets kidnapped or something in that too. Yeah. Or whatever. Uh, um, right? Rita Ora gets kidnapped. Oh, oh right, my fuck. God. Rita Ora. <laughs> Rita Ora. Uh, anyway, her acting but is when incredible. S- yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but when yeah. when. When Summit bought Twilight from, or the IP from Paramount. What does IP, what does IP mean? Intellectual Intellectual property. Intellectual property. Okay. So yeah, so when uh, Summit acquired the rights to the film from Paramount, they made changes. And some of the changes, like in the negotiations and the deals were that like Stephanie would be more involved in creative decisions so apparently Hmm. she also made sure (laughs) she really made sure that edward's line of like so the lion fell in love with the lamb like definitely (laughs) so cringe and get this she also really wanted kellen lutz to be emmett (laughs) and she toned down bella and edward's kiss and then it says like uh this was she told uh entertainment weekly she's like that's hard for me but i'm glad every time i did it and i don't think i stepped on too many toes and everyone seems to still like me so like <laughs> especially kellen lutz <laughs> yeah kellen lutz loves He's like, the one thing that he was ever in i just don't get why she wanted that line so much because that line is the most cringe line in the whole freaking movie like every time i hear that i'm like oh I hated it. I hated it. 
<laughs> yeah, but that was like such a line. You just reacted to that no. like the way I feel like an Italian like mother would. You're like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like he says it to her in the forest. Yeah, like after mm-hmm. she, right when she, or at the same Why are you time telling period, her that she's a he's a vampire, right? When yeah, she's that like, she says like mm-hmm. you're a vampire, and it's like you've known each other for like a week. Literally, you fall in love with anybody, okay? Yeah, you guys, but it's like it. I don't. I really don't know. It's I, also kind of a weird part of the movie because she, it's like also the part where he's like t- talking about how he's like designed to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and then he like equates yeah. her to prey. I think that's the point. That like, that's the point of the line. Yeah, that's the point. But also, too, that line was used to like heavily promote the movie. Like I remember seeing that on posters, mm-hmm. right? And it was mm-hmm. in the trailer. Also, it was in the trailer. Okay, this is like a maybe quick sidebar. But like, I wonder if it's like you know she's re- she's religious. She's Mormon, mm-hmm. like yeah. Christian. I wonder if it's like a. Is that like a biblical thing? So the lion fell in love with the lamb, like a lamb, like I don't know. Uh, isn't it isn't lamb it Shakespeare? Is like, well, oh, maybe I don't know if it's Shakespeare, but I do know that like lambs are used in the Bible quite heavily. Huh? Yeah, a that's lot. like a thing to be the lamb of God, or just like that you are oh. a lamb and God is your shepherd. That whole thing, right? And like, but yeah. and which that, makes it's it like, even weirder. Lions eat lambs, so it would be like the shepherd would like kill lions huh. when they're trying to like so, get his sheep. So apparently, it is a reference, an obscure reference to Isaiah eleven six. Read the verse. Read the verse. The verse is: the wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. Fuck does that mean? I don't know. Isn't that talking about Oh, that's heaven? like referring to like paradise. Yeah. Wait, just to be full circle on that quote, Toby, that is also quoted in Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, season one, oh, of which apparently wow. Stephanie Meyer was a big fan. So, yeah. and now we're full so, circle. <laughs> mm-hmm. and oh. So apparently the, the quote is obviously essentially supposed to mean like natural enemies coming together in peace and harmony. Right. Yeah. But sense, for right. someone to say that out loud to you is well weird. What you guys don't you wouldn't fall in love if somebody told you that? Um, unless it was Army <laughs> Hammer. No. <laughs> oh, hot take. <laughs> That's funny. So it's interesting, Jesse, like talking about um, Summit. So Summit acquired the rights to Twilight, obviously, but even then, even Summit didn't even really believe in the movie because uh, Catherine Hardwick had a really hard time going back and forth with them on the budget. Um, Summit, at the time, didn't even think that the first movie would exceed more than $29 million at the box office. And they were basing that off of the fact that uh, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, which was another you know, young adult female book with a young female audience also grossed 29 million at the box office. So so they didn't even really believe in the movie. And originally, um, Twilight, so Twilight had a budget of 37 million, which seems like a lot of money, but for like a feature film is actually not that much money. Um, comparatively. And, and originally it was supposed to be 41 million and then uh, the summit execs came to Catherine Hardwick and were like yeah if you don't cut 4 million out of this 
budget in the next four days we're pulling the plug on the entire movie and so she had to literally like go through and like cut out every single like literally everything that was not essential to the plot like every single action scene or special effects scenes that were not essential to the plot cut them out and went back to them like hoping that once they saw the script and how stripped it was without that four million that they would give it back to her but they literally were just like okay yeah and then they made that movie. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. Like mama came in and was like, surely they will not let me continue. Like surely right. they won't, they won't take my monies because you know, it. We, we won't, you know, we won't have a movie. She was just like cutting, cutting wherever she could. And then she came back and they were like, looks great. Yeah. Great. <laughs> also it's like, okay, yeah. you might be like, Oh, 37 million, 41 million. What's the big deal? 4 million. Is t- that's 10% of their original budget that they were just like, cut 10% of your budget in four days or it's like, see ya on the whole project. Like, what? Like- yeah, and like, honestly, I read somewhere too that like on some of these Marvel movies, the budget for the whole Twilight movie is like just what they would use for food. Like on like a big yeah. Marvel movie. Like Dude, that's just that. the cost for just food. <laughs> like, <laughs> 100%. Like... If you think back, though, to, you know, 2008, of course, there had been adaptations of, you know, Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, but there had never really been an adaptation aside from Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, like you like you mentioned, Amanda, um, of a YA novel. And of course, after Twilight, we saw The Hunger Games and Divergent, but it was a little bit risky to to bet on Twilight. I don't think it was risky. The fact that, like, they thought it was risky is insane because the books were already selling off the shelves. Like, it wasn't like the book was published and they were making it immediately. Especially when you compare it to the first Harry Potter, which was made before Twilight, and the budget was, like, over $100 And I don't know how many books had come out after the first Harry Potter before they started um, production on the first movie, but I know they weren't all out because... um, yeah, I remember buying the they last They definitely one. weren't all out. But I think it just comes down to like people not wanting to make things that teen girls like and thinking that uh, teen girls are not worth spending money not, on. I not mean, money makers. Yeah. Yeah. When in reality, like women drive the economy and yeah, teen girls are the start <laughs> of media, that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's insane. Well, well, the thing is, is too, like just looking back even in, in the, our other episodes that we've you know, other topics related to Twilight that we've kind of looked into and dived a little into, like, and we've really only scratched the surface of all kind of the things we've gone into. And like, it doesn't take someone to have like a PhD in media studies to kind of piece together the bits uh, to understand that this would be a huge successful franchise. And I mean, like, that's why Catherine Hardwick fought so hard for it too, because she kind of saw it coming. She was like, well, wait a minute. Like, she saw the bones. She saw the potential. And I think that's why she yeah. she really went for it, you know? It's it's literally, it's kind of crazy. It's like, I don't, like, so there's this interview uh, that Catherine Hardwick gave in, like, 2018 with Hollywood Reporter. And that's where she kind of talked about, you know, like, her journey on the first film and, uh, you know, cutting the budget and all this stuff. But she also said that in, when they were, producing the first film that one of the summit execs literally told her um that the best case scenario for twilight would be that it would be interesting to 400 girls in salt lake city utah (laughs) 
So <laughs> first that of is all, insane. First of all, disrespectful. Second of yeah, all, so rude. Yeah. Second of it all, had already sold more than 400 copies. I'm positive. Yeah. Outside of Utah. Yeah. Um, no. So it's it's crazy. Like the 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 way that the first film was viewed, not only by like external people but like by its own production like company like by the by the people that were literally making it even they didn't really believe in it that's why she was able to do that's why she was able to do whatever she wanted honestly they said that like she had no like usually movies i mean that like the execs are up there but they're up there but, 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 but but like you know it's like people calling constantly like, hey, hey, is this getting done? Like, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, she was like, ain't nobody was calling me. Ain't nobody cared. Like, right. They literally, like, did not believe in the project at all. Well, and it's tr- that's so true because, like, normally that's why, like, in most films or whatever, you'll always have, like, there's the, there's the theatrical release. And then you'll always see, like, oh, this is the director's cut. Because mm-hmm. the director's vision is normally... It's like severely compromised by like studios opinions like pro- producers opinions like they have to make all these different changes to you know the their vision to accommodate those but i feel like with twilight that wasn't as much like the case mm-hmm. and you know you can obviously really tell from the difference in the first movie and then the the following ones also in this interview with the hollywood reporter um like, Catherine Hardwick literally says, I didn't have committees giving me notes. This is like a quote. I didn't have committees giving me notes. I wasn't watched by big time producers. I didn't have the pressure of hitting blockbuster marks. We didn't even have a test screening. So it was like really made like an indie film. And after the first movie, more people got involved and the other films were managed to a greater extent. Mm. Do you guys remember um, the story about how Robert Pattinson got cast? Yes. But tell it. <laughs> I, I love. What the am I not story. supposed I to respond? So <laughs> I don't know. I, no, you, you asked are. a question, and then everyone was quiet. No, no I've never heard the no. story. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. Well, <laughs> well, basically, you know, she had cast Kristen Stewart because she'd seen her in Into the Wild. Um, and then they were doing a, a day of screen tests with a bunch of different male leads. And apparently, um, she was having Kristen Stewart do the makeout scene with, with the different actors. Um, and I guess she had the most chemistry with Robert Pattinson. Um, Dang. and so he was cast. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it was in her, it was like, I don't know if it was in her hotel room or if it was in her house. It was at or someone's something. house. Yeah, it was at Yeah, her house. It was I think it was at Catherine house. Hardwick's house. Yes. Yeah. And it was like they were like on the bed and she was like, she, I just remember Catherine Hardwick describing it as just like, it was just electric. That is like so when the weird, two bro. of them were together, like it was just instant chemistry. Interesting. Like talking about, okay, ca- like Catherine Hardwick casting the first film right it's so like everything is so connected like the fact that the studio didn't believe in the first film and the budget that they had like the the fact that they were so hands-off from her literally allowed Mm -hmm. her to cast these like relatively pretty much unknown actors at the time and like can you like can you imagine like if they had had more faith in this and like 
if they had been more involved, I'm sure you would have seen people pushing for, like, bigger names to be attached to this first film. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. And even, like, I know she had worked with Nikki Reed on 13, and they were really good friends. And, like, I mean, we'll get more into this next episode, you know. Um, But even towards the end, like, by the time they got to, like, Breaking Dawn, Ashley Green and Kellen Lutz were making like close to 1.2 million per movie, which for their roles is quite a bit, actually. Honestly, the fact that Ashley Green was making the same amount as Kellen or Kellen, what is it? Kellen. 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 She is way more involved in the whole franchise. He just kind of stands there. He literally has like seven lines the whole last movie. But she's a woman. That's what I'm saying. Like he really doesn't do that much. And she is like supposed to be Bella's best friend. Yeah. She's around. She talks to Charlie. Kellen never leaves the house. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that, I don't really, we don't really know. Right. Because they have, they never release it technically. Like how much, you know, they make. But, but they were, I was reading this thing and they were saying, they were able to negotiate a lot higher by the time Breaking Dawn came out because it was just such a huge success. And also, just really quick, uh, justice for uh, Rochelle Lefebvre. I, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Because originally, Bryce Dallas Howard was offered the role uh, of Victoria. Yes! She turned oh my gosh, it down. I read that. And then on part three, she... Like Dude. there was for Rochelle, there was a scheduling conflict where there was 10 days of overlap. She thought that Summit was going to work with her. They didn't. They fired her and they recasted. They didn't even know. She found out from the press. Justice for Rochelle. Justice that for Rochelle. So, see, that is the type of shit that would have been happening on the first film if they had known how successful it was going to be. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. That's crazy, right? Bro. Well, Bri- Bryce was like, you know, obviously, I, I have nothing against Bryce Dallas Howard. I think she's fantastic, but at the no. same time, like, she did, you know, s- scoff at the at the film. Fine, whatever. She, you know, yeah. Um, but then she came back and swooped it. Yeah, I remember being so confused when that the eclipse came out. I was like, like, is this? A, I literally was like, is this the same girl? Like, I just like you don't even notice at first. They just like dyed her hair, and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> It's like in Halloween Town. Uh, it's like in when they just switch the girl. <laughs> We're like, this is not Marnie. Who's that? What the yeah, fuck what the is fuck? this? this is like, Especially because like, bitch. But you know what? They didn't even uh, like Halloween Town is completely different because at least Bryce Dallas Howard and the original girl look That's closer true. to the same, and they both had a wig. Yeah, the girl Marnie from Halloween Town, the OG, looks literally she lost nothing thirty like- pounds. Yeah. More than 30, and she grew five inches, okay? And she got a nose job. Like, no. The disrespect no, no, no. on their Disney Channel audience, not thinking that they would notice. Because we noticed, yeah. Disney. We noticed. And we're still Yeah, mad. I... As someone who... Those are some of my favorite Disney Channel original movies, Sans, the fourth one. We As, as, as people who are in the Halloween Town community, we yeah, don't even we don't. recognize part four as canon. We don't claim we it. We don't even know... We don't no. claim it. Mm-mm. Yeah. Back to the serious matter at hand here. Twilight. Well, after Catherine Hardwick cast Robert Pattinson as Edward, he actually... Um, showed up to the first meeting with, you know, the executives um, and he was late and he was looking dirty as hell. And they were like, can can he even play Edward? Is he is he good enough? And apparently Catherine Hardwick like really believed in him. Um, and so that's how he ended up being the lead and, you know, is where he is now. That's crazy. 
I'm sorry, but I read that story and I, all I could think of was like, if he would, if that man was any other color than white, yeah, he would have been fired right on the spot. Like, okay. I'm sorry, but like, oh God. Well, it's funny because like, I feel like then like the execs got a bad taste of him in their mouths. And then um, later on, he was like, I was reading in an interview. He was like, yeah, I just thought Edward would be like so moody and like super, super emotional. And uh, the execs and uh, he got really scared that he was going to get fired because the execs were like, no, you're, you're playing it wrong. Like he should be like happy. And they literally sent him a script and highlighted every time it said smiles like Edward smiles. Oh, my God. And he was like, my agent kept on coming to set like every day because they were scared I was going to get fired. And obviously he didn't, but he was like legitimately like, I'm going to get fired because I'm just straight up not doing what they want. Like he just was not taking the notes, which honestly is a pretty ballsy move. I feel like it's a well-known thing within the Twilight fandom and even honestly probably outside of it um, that... it was it's like a it's like a joke that nobody hates Twilight more than Robert uh, Pattinson. Like, <laughs> yeah. If you listen to any of the um, commentary that they do, like when they're watching, you know, they have those like commentary things when they're watching the film. He literally just like tears it to shit. Like <laughs> he, you know what I mean. So this is like not you surprising. Know, yeah. You know who defends Twilight all the time? Our Lady Kristen Stewart. She, she does. does be defending Twilight. She does defend Twilight a lot. And, you know, I was reading, though, that they actually, because the first one was so, felt so indie, they actually have, from what I was reading, they have pretty fond memories of the whole production experience. You I know? read that, they too. They got really close. Yeah, that they actually really Robert enjoyed filming it. Robert Pattinson even said, filming like, it. They were like, "What's your? What was your favorite one to film?" And he was like, "Oh, the first one, one hundred percent, like without a question, without yeah. question, mm-hmm. yeah." Okay, uh, so let's go into kind of beyond, you know, beyond the indie. Then it became this huge blockbuster. Right. So they expected it to fail. They expected it to gross $29 million. It ends up grossing $392.5 million. And from there, it was like, just like, off the rails crazy. Because, you know what I mean? Like, now they know that this is something that is worth a lot of money. And so a lot of hands are now in the kitchen Mm -hmm. when it comes to Twilight. Including which is a music supervisor who made really great uh, yes. soundtracks to the movies. Like, ooh! Get this. Uh, this is a quote from an article, and it said, Most surprisingly, they almost single-handedly revived the Moribud soundtrack industry. The first film sold 2.6 million albums, and the second sold 1.2 million, according to Nielsen's SoundScan. The third album had already sold... Oh, yeah. The third album had already sold 200,000 copies before the film opened. Wow. The the music supervisor was actually Alexandra Patsavas. Oh. Patsavas. Patsavas. Interesting. Yeah. Great job, so, Alexandra. Okay. I... I'm not gonna lie. I I wasn't that tied to any of the soundtracks. Not that like I thought they were bad or anything. I just like they weren't super on my radar. However, this is not shocking to me. These statistics on no. Twilight reviving the soundtrack because if there's one thing, and I know this because I'm part of this, you know, I'm guilty of it. If 
the like the demo of like the young teenage girl when they like something they are throwing all of their money at that thing like no it does not matter like if they need it they're gonna buy it so like regardless of whether or not people even needed the freaking twilight soundtrack album fans of twilight went out and bought that shit i know this because every time taylor fucking swift drops a new album i buy another fucking sweatshirt even though i have like 20 in my drawer you got to support your faves you know what i mean so like 2.6 million that's on pace but also something unique that like twilight did was that they brought in a whole bunch of different smaller artists and things that people weren't listening to so you know it it allowed people to be exposed to to new music. And something else that's like pretty interesting is that um, actually Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson were really involved in at least the first soundtrack. Um, like apparently Kristen Stewart chose Flightless Bird, American Mouth. And then I don't know if you guys know this, but also Robert Pattinson sings a couple songs that are in the first one as well. Also, I don't know how fact-checked this is, but I did read somewhere that apparently he came up with uh, Bella's lullaby. I read that too. That actually, was, that, that was, was Rob's his. creation, which I was like, I don't. I, I I need to do another fact check on that. But apparently, that's, I mean, you know, they. T- have you have you ever heard "Never Think" or "Let Me Sign"? Like he he's talented. No, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> denying. I'm not denying that he can't do it. I'm just simply saying, like, I just wow, it was really all hands on deck. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that um, Rob knows about the TikTok yeah. trend to Bella Soloi? A hundred percent. People have mm, totally... I don't know. I feel like people have definitely showed it to him. What is everyone's favorite song on the New Moon album? Because we can all agree that the New Moon album is like the best. Does it have to be from the New Moon album? No! New Moon soundtrack happens to be my favorite, and I know that it's Jesse's favorite. In yes, its totality, it's a- it is the most complete soundtrack However, the song that reigns above them all is Flightless Bird, American Mouth. I would get married to that. For you. Which is one is that one? <laughs> Have I found you, Flightless Bird? Okay, we don't have a lawyer. I actually, I actually knew which one it was. I just wanted Toby to sing it on the podcast while you're. I'm okay with that. My voice cracked too. I don't know if you guys could tell. I, it was the emotion of it all. Amanda, uh, what's your favorite album? Uh, you guys, my favorite album. I think we talked about this on the episode where we talked about all of our experiences with Twilight. Um, I kind of <laughs> that's not even that's not even in play. Well, I'm, I, I'm just saying I kind of <laughs> fell off the Twilight train. I was big on the train when the first one came out, and then I I fell off the train. So I don't think I have I don't have like a favorite song. I guess I think about um, a thousand years. That one's a good one. Oh, oh my gosh. Or um Can I you sing a little bit for us? Can you sing a little bit for us? Um I don't want to get copyrighted, you know, like Jesse was saying. I don't want Or decode. Decode's another banger. Um, obviously. But I don't know these Wait. niche ones that we're talking about. I'm not gonna lie. Like I'm looking at the soundtrack right now from Eclipse and I'm like, what the f I don't I will also will say a lot of these art artists that uh, Stephanie Meyer brought in, like just for like OG OG Twilight fans, uh, like she would post on her website uh, playlists of what you should listen to while you're reading the book, and that's also why they got Muse on board because Stephanie Meyer was a huge Muse fan. 
Just saying. For the oh OGs out there. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm looking at the soundtracks right now, and I totally forgot that It Will Rain was on the Breaking Dawn soundtrack. That is hilarious. So we talked a lot about Twilight as an indie movie and then how it changed to blockbuster, but we didn't really talk that much about like the tone of the movie and overall how it changed like cinematically. So I think like a lot of the differences were, I mean, obviously Amanda said earlier, like the color palette was completely off from the first movie to the, the following three and, um, Oh, sorry. The other four. Um, and like the VFX were infinitely better. Um, I feel like we look back, especially like TikTok now, it's like the wolves, like seeing uh, Taylor Lautner and like the little outfit pretending to be the wolf. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like the gray one. And I'm actually looking at a picture of right now. It's like Bella and the wolf. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's really funny, but like the VFX were actually like really, really good for the time that it came out. Even now, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I believe it for like the last, so, for not the first Twilight, but for the following. Reminder. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the first Twilight, and I was like, no, for me, that's one of the most significant um, changes from the first Twilight yeah. movie. With, like, obviously, we already talked about how when the budget had to be cut, the f- first thing that went was action scenes and the effects, anything that was like special effects. So it makes sense that the bigger the movies got, the more action and the better VFX that we saw in the later movies in the franchise. Like, I think we all know, like, that, you know that scene in the first one when he's, like, running with her, like, on his back, like, through the forest? I could never watch that scene without freaking, like, cringing slash laughing because it looks so bad. And they definitely stepped it up. They really start the second movie off with a bang because doesn't it start with them in the meadow? And, like, mm-hmm. we see Edward, yeah, like, listening. Yeah. And it's like, whoa! Everyone was like, oh, what? Like, yeah. this movie has so much more money. Like, it's everything that people... Well, it's everything that me, when it came out, was like, oh, that's how it was supposed to be. Like, wow, he looks awesome. Yeah. And also, more money. It, like, we already talked about um, Bryce Dallas Howard coming on in the third film. But, like, the more money, like, we started to see, like, some big name actors joining the films. Like, I guess it doesn't seem like a big deal now. But I remember when it was announced that Dakota Fanning was going to be in New Moon. I literally, it was like, the it was like big news. I was like, oh, my God. God, like it Dakota was. It was Fanning. big news. Like, in retrospect, she wasn't that. She didn't play that big of a role, but it was cool. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Michael Sheen, you know, mm-hmm. like that's a big deal too. And I mean, he joined the movie cause, mostly because like his daughter really liked the books, but like right. still, that's like not a s- small. That's like a medium sized name, you know. Right. Um, and like the hair and makeup department like tripled in size. Like everyone looked. So much better, except for the except Bella, except say, Bella, except for Bella, the one movie where Kristen in went, Eclipse. Uh, that's the third. That's the third. That's but the, the third. One, the after she did the Runaways, hair. yeah, the yeah. second is her real hair. Um, unpopular opinion, and this is why I'm I will never be in the hair and makeup department. But I actually don't think her hair looks that bad in the third one. I don't know. I think it almost looks better. It looks so that fake. That hairline, bro. That hairline. <laughs> yeah, it like bumps up off of her head. She doesn't even have wispies. It it's looks, like it it's looks so healthy. obviously. I don't think. No. I don't think they had lace fronts back then. And if they did, that makeup artist or that hair and makeup really? person did not use them. You don't think that they did? 
we people have been doing. Wigs they definitely, since, like, yeah, so they definitely long ago. Well, they like, didn't use one. Like, movies have executed wigs very nicely. Yeah, no, like, they, it's not they, a time they, thing. Two thousand ten. Toby, they yeah, literally yeah. VFX wolves, but they don't have. They don't know how to do a wig. Okay, no, 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 no. So talking about the VFX, talking about VFX. Yeah, I, I remember seeing the wolves, the VFX on the wolves for the first time when they like, oh, like jump into like the wolf. I was. I know that the budget was increased, right? But I would be scared. I'm. J- Let's just all be grateful that there was no wolf transformations in the first film, because oh the VFX on the wolves from the second film to the last film, like a billion times better. A billion times better. One hundred percent. Like if it was, I feel like they would have just been like, "We can't do it." Like that was the four million cut. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that. Like we're gonna wait till the second movie to show them. Supposed to be like a teaser, like after credits of like the wolves yeah. and the rest of them. They're like, cut it. Gotta go. Well, the thing is too, like they didn't have that. I mean, they had more money, obviously, in the second one, but they didn't have that much more money. Like mm-hmm. you know, it doubled. Not Wasn't compared it to the. It was yeah, um, yeah. so literally yeah, but if you're trying to do 50. a really good VFX no, on the quick oh. on the quick and on the cheap like mm-hmm. it's hard you know like honestly not- dude kind of impressive that they made new moon for only 50 million yeah they were all those all Italy. those people in Italy like all those yeah. red hooded people also and like yeah. Coda Fanning's check like yeah yeah you know we haven't talked about we we haven't talked about the fact that the last movie had a giant fucking budget, so they went ahead and spent a giant fuck ton of money oh, making that CGI baby when they could have just had a real baby, <laughs> but they wanted to have a CGI baby. Now, that is money that could have been spent on, like, crafty. Give Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson more money. No. Yeah, I, I totally... don't know. <laughs> Bro... Okay, yeah. I feel like your solutions uh, to spend the money are not good, but on crafty, I, I don't know. Yeah. Or Robert, I, I think Robert they had Pattinson enough Kristen crafty. Stewart. No, so, no, 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 no. One hundred twenty million dollars was the budget for the last film, and then that's the Renesme that they came up with. It's horrifying. It's it. I think gas. Just in get theaters. a real baby. When people saw the baby in the movie, it was horrifying. No, yeah. well, I was you know, so mad at because. They made the animatronic baby or whatever, and that looked like a Chucky doll. So then they had to VFX the whole face, basically. No, no, but no, then- no, 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 no. What happened is they wanted the baby to look like a cross between Robert and Kristen and look like, um, Ma- what was her name? The um, Foy, Mackenzie Foy, the person that played the uh, yeah. grown-up baby. But um, I do remember watching that movie with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, grown up baby. Anyways, <laughs> um, I do remember watching uh, that movie in theaters with my high school friends, and they didn't care about Twilight, but I made them go with me. And I was so pissed when I saw that baby. I didn't shut up about it for the rest of the movie to the point where, like, at the end, they were like, Can you shut up about the fucking CGI? It was I horrifying. had, like, just learned what CGI was. <laughs> computer, computer generated it. Whatever. No. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> so Toby, when you mentioned the you were like, okay, you said the fact that they had so much money on the last movie that they went ahead and and what I thought you were gonna say was that they went ahead and spent all of it on a huge freaking action scene. 
scene. Me, the, I thought she was going to say that too. At the end of the movie, the, where they fucking murdered everyone, and it was huge. Carlisle. We, Carlisle, rip Carlisle. And I remember seeing this in theaters and being like, oh my God, like, what is happening? Obviously, that does not happen in the books. And then it was just a dream, it was just a vision. And like, you're Well, it was the behind- potential future. It was right. It was the print interview. But like, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that's how that freaking made it into the movie. If they were like, yo, we got $20 million like left over. Like, <laughs> no, they did that so that they can make more money. Because what, what happened was they wanted to attract more of a, a male audience. So they were like, well, if we put more action in it, we can get more money. Like, get, they wanted honestly, to add more men to the demo. That is so dumb. Because if you're not on the train by the fifth movie, like, you're not getting on the train, man. Like, I agree, but that was the lo- that that's exact logic. I mean, I can't. I, but you know what, you exact guys? Logic. I I watched all of these movies with my dad over quarantine. Um, I was like, you need to watch them with me, and he is not that picky, but he does not like Twilight. So we all watched them together. And when that scene came up, he was like, yes. Finally, what we always wanted, what we wanted from the first movie is a giant vampire fight. And then when it all was like, you know, seeing the future and didn't actually happen, he was like, are you kidding? He was like, that way it was all building up to that point. And they just like, oh, they pulled the rug right out from under you. Dude, him and everyone else in freaking, what, when did that movie come out? 2012? Him and everyone else. I have never felt more anger. Honestly, teenage me had never felt more anger than that scene. Honestly, though, looking back, I'm like, dang, they pulled a fast one on everyone. Like, in the theaters, people's reactions were so visceral. Like, when Carlisle's head got ripped off, everyone was like, <laughs> like, they could not keep it together. Everyone all of a sudden cared about Carlisle. And they were like, no. Yeah. <laughs> He's our daddy. What do you mean? What do you mean? We, what do you mean? We always cared about Carlisle. He's hot. Okay. Yeah, we always not cared about Carlisle. Much. And also, I, I got to be honest, by the time it was 2012, by the time I was watching the last movie i was i was so it was like when you eat so much candy and you're like mm. sick like i was so over twilight at that, that time experience. so when i did get when i did get to that scene i was like all right we're changing it up a bit you know i was like this wasn't how i remember but like i'm on for the ride i'm on for the ride but you know yeah. it was all in alice's head i still kind of like it to be honest with you like i do it's funny seeing, like, Gen it's Z great. and, like, people who haven't seen the movies. Like, it's become, like, a trend on, like, TikTok and stuff for people to, like, show their friends that, like, this movie and, like, record their reaction to that scene. And I just feel like it's still, it's genuinely, it's still infuriating. Like, it's, it's, it's timeless. It's a timeless, infuriating scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like the first movie made so much money and then... Yeah. Obviously, the studio network, studio slash network, whatever, saw its potential. Clearly, it revived the freaking movie business. It resi- revived, or sorry, it revived the music, music soundtrack business. Mm-hmm. It revived Hot Topic. It had serious buying power. And come time to do part two, Catherine Harwick did not take the movie. You mean she decided against New Moon directing it? Yes, yeah. New Moon. She decided Such against it. Such a weenie it. move. <laughs> yes. yes, but 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 also they were asking for a really fast turnaround, and she said by the time she would have finished press for the first movie, 
it would have been immediately she would have started production or like pre-pro or something. It would have been like a crazy tight turnaround for her. And she was just, I don't know if she felt that she couldn't, I mean, clearly she felt that she couldn't handle it or she felt that she needed time or I don't know. Um, but she decided against it. And interestingly, well, not interestingly, it's pretty obvious. They decided to go with a male director for the second one and then for the next several movies as well. And actually, by the time they got to the last film, they brought on like, I think like an Academy Award nominated, like a big time director. And then also when you saw these other franchises that came out of Twilight, they were also man directed as well. Which, Mm. you know, is kind of disappointing in a lot of ways just because, you know, you'd think that something that clearly was like a female or a woman demo, a young woman demo, or just like a femme audience, you know, it should be done by like a femme director. Yeah. You know? I do think it's kind of a bummer, though, that like, you know, like we've talked about, literally the only the only real person that believed in the first film was Catherine Hardwick and like she's the reason that it happened and ultimately that it became the huge success that it is and then she didn't she didn't really get to reap any of like the benefits beyond of course all of her fame from the success of it but I just mean like you have a woman also, make that was her put choice. the movies on the map but you have a woman put the movies on the map and then right all the men just follow in the footsteps and, you know. Yeah. Right. And Catherine Hardwick is for the... that. It, yeah, that is just Hollywood. But I just want to say, aside from her championing for the perfect actors for this movie and for her making it blue and for keeping it as like an indie little quirky movie, the first movie sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Edward reacting to Bella walking into the biology lab with a fan and then he's like, like, he's like weird. Like the directing wasn't that good. You're not wrong. But you know what, Jesse? When do we start? When we start watching Twilight, we start at New Moon. I hate New Moon. I love That's insane, Amanda. Watch the extended version. (laughs) Don't say that. (laughs) Watch the extended version, Amanda. My least favorite one, though, is Breaking Down Part 1. That's, that's arguably the best. Insane. That's honestly that's my Amanda, number two. What? <laughs> yeah, yes, I, goes, I, I don't know. I would breaking down part one, eclipse, breaking down part yep. four, twilight. Breaking down yep. part one is so fucking boring. Nothing happens in the whole no. movie. My favorite is you're eclipse, mistaken. New moon breaking down part one, twilight breaking down part two. Eclipse is also my favorite mm. book. Breaking down it's part two book. is always at the book. bottom of the barrel because. Uh, well, the movie could because have it just feels it feels so different than the whole franchise. Like Honestly, it's like the not movie should have just ended after part one. It was like this sounds silly, but it was like part part two was just too much plot. <laughs> like we didn't go for that. Like we are not here it, for right, that much though. plot. Am I right? Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah, you're totally right. Because it's like so you're telling me nothing happens. So this whole freaking series after three after four movies, and then in the fifth movie, all of a sudden. It's only plot? Yeah, we gotta <laughs> we gotta keep track of all this plot. It's like no no no. Yeah, it's too much. Where have you been, Roka? Say it out loud. 
Thanks for listening to Reexamine Podcast. Next week, we'll be reexamining the acting careers of the Twilight Stars. Make sure to subscribe or follow us on whatever platform you're listening on so you don't miss a beat. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Reexamine Podcast and let us know what your favorite song from the Twilight soundtrack is. This podcast is produced and edited by the four of us, and our music was composed and produced by Whitney Miller. Catch you later. Bye. Bye. See you next week. Peace. See you next week.